Welcome to Cloudlandia. Mr. Sullivan. Yeah, I thought I'd just wait a minute and give you a little nervousness, a little return. <laughs> I thought that's great. Just to, uh, just to hear Not too our much. Pledge. I mean, just Not too enough much. to hear... Just our to pledge. hear the song. Yeah. That's our pledge. Yeah. Never going to give you Just up. To hear Never our... going to let you down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can do tricks on. You can do tricks in Cloudland. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh my goodness! It is absolutely a gorgeous day on the mainland here in yes. the Four Seasons Valhalla. Mm-hmm. In my courtyard, it's. Absolutely, yes. the perfect temperature. This is why people. What would that be like? Seventy-five, eighty. Right now, it is about seventy-six degrees. There you go. And I'm, there you go. Yeah. And it's yeah. still and uh, yeah. Ah, I love it. We got a well, we're having this. probably one of the outstanding autumns in my fifty-one years in Toronto, and uh, so. This is the third time I can remember that on Halloween, the big oak trees in our lawn are going to be green for Halloween. Oh, really? And, wow. Uh, so, they haven't really changed yet. And, oh, wow. And the colors are just really happening now. Yeah. And, I was uh, talking yesterday you know, to a friend in Alora, and he yeah. said that the everything's on fire up there. It's just... Yeah. yeah. And it was a beautiful day yeah, yesterday, there are little, apparently. Yeah, they're higher in Alora, you know. By the time you get to our cottage, which is about a two and a half mile or two and a half hour drive from Toronto, you're a thousand feet higher than we are here in the beaches. Wow. And, yeah. So it's everything well, I'm grounded at 155 feet right now. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got that yeah. going for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. So, what was your take on the our free zone on Friday? I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's the the idea of the triple play workshop or worksheet was yes. I found that really clarifying, you know, because it was I looked at the things that I was putting in the arrows in the the thoughts, and they were sort of three separate things with a little adjustment, you know, I realized they're all part of the same. You see the connections mm-hmm. between them, which strengthened mm-hmm. all the, uh, which strengthened all of them. So I love a good thinking tool, you know, it's something Yeah. You're, you can't, I think it's, you always end up with, you know, really clear thinking from, from being able to orchestrate the way or guide the way you think about something. Yeah, and I think that there's something about being a prisoner of content. In other words, if you think of the arrows, you know this thing, and that's content in your life. And you know this thing, and that's content in your life. And there's another thing that's content in your life. And But then when you're presented with a challenge to, I think, create the connection between two of them this way and then two of them this way and then two of them this way. I think that you change the context. You Suddenly you have an entirely new context that includes all three as contributing members. Yeah, Hmm. I that. uh, I was just having, before we got on the call here, I was talking with Scott Ford, 
to oh, the new free Gavin zone. Oh, started in yeah. free zone. Yeah, he just yeah. started in free zone. Yeah. So he was talking about his new collaboration with with Garnet and Garnet uh, Morris. Yeah. So that's it's fun to see all the things you know everything shaping up with all the different projects that people are uh, working mm. on. Yeah, I take that I'm on the, I think we're right around 75 now. We have about 75 in the free zone. There's mm-hmm. another 15 who will be there by the end of the first quarter of 2023. Mm-hmm. And so that'll bring us up to about 90. And what's interesting that surprised me is they have to come in with a collaboration. In other words, you one of the qualifiers to get into mm-hmm. the free zone is that you have to have an existing active collaboration with someone. But what I'm noticing more and more is that the collaborations are within the members of yeah, forming. Once, once mm-hmm. they get in, they start creating collaborations with other people in the room. Yeah, I like that. And this whole idea, you know, you mentioned of bringing just putting three people together kind of thing, like really yep. just thinking. I, that's what I've been, because I've kind of been thinking about the VCR formula, vision, yep. capabilities, and reach as in a similar way to thinking about that triple play. I see that you're doing is I'm looking at the, you know, and you come at it from any side, you know, and it's okay. <laughs> You can, in in this world now, it's good. You can be a visionary without any capabilities or reach who can connect. As long as you can see it, you can connect you know, that, that don't have the, that wouldn't have been connected otherwise. And so kind of, that's a really exciting, that's a really exciting time. No matter what your strength is, no matter what your, what your, where your assets are, there's equal opportunity, you know? Yeah. You know what might be interesting is to use your model as the three arrows. In other words, say, what's your biggest vision right Mm -hmm. now as an entrepreneur? Mm -hmm. Would you say is the biggest capability that you bring to the table right now? Mm -hmm. And what would you say is the reach you have right now Mm -hmm. in terms of your you know, your furthest reach, this is the furthest reach that you have right now. And then put three Mm -hmm. people together and collectively they create a triple crown where the capabilities, the the capabilities, the vision capabilities and reach of what they're doing actually combines. I agree. Like that is really the, you know, that's the basis for, it's certainly the basis for these collaborations. I mean, you, you, I'm interested to hear your further research about coal and Amazon because we were talking about it in the workshop on, on Friday a little bit. Mm-hmm. You kind of mentioned that you had looked a little more into seeing what had what had happened. Yeah, well, you had a number that I didn't have, which says that they've acquired coal, says required acquired 2 million more customers mm-hmm. as a result of being the handling the returns for Amazon products where yeah. someone's received something on Amazon, they don't like it, they want to return it. And Kohl's has positioned themselves as the who, who will 
handle that for Amazon. Okay? And and it's very interesting. And then that requires two things, that people come into a closed store. And, you know, and then once the product is returned, they handle all the operations to get it returned and get a refund for, you know, for the person. And then they give them a $25 gift certificate, which is valid only for that day in mm-hmm. gold. Okay. So they've accomplished a major new capability. How do we get 2 million? Well, it's not 2 million different individuals, but it would be 2 million separate return mm-hmm. transactions. You know, mm-hmm. that's huge. That's huge. I mean, really that's is. huge. Yeah. And if Kohl's had tried to come up with a marketing campaign, how do we get 2 million more people to come into our stores? They'd still be at the plant. They'd still be at the planning stages. I just think like, I'm so fascinated by these things and, you know, being able to see them, you know, like that. And now I've mentioned that they're kind of really going down that, that path of these collaborations because they've opened now Sephora stores within the Kohl's store. I think about those kind of collaborations in retail, you're starting to see these trends of everything leading back to these, you know, collaborative efforts. I I was mentioning the new trend sort of in urban things is we'll call them modern food courts, but like gathering areas where Mm. they'll have, you know, you know, beautiful, big, you know, gathering place and even live music kind of capability with mm-hmm. a stage or, you know, to gather people, but then have, you know, all these food trucks all around the place. So thinking, you know, rather than every one of Sort of inside, inside food trucks. Yeah, but these are in a lot of cases outside environment. Yeah. yeah, or you know, or big. There's one in or inside, a, or inside. You know, they, yeah, a lot of them. In you can have mobile stands. You know, that are on yeah. wheels and you know. Yes, and uh, yeah, that, that's exactly yeah. it. So thinking about the combining to find read that rather than mm-hmm. having their individual things set up in you know, different parts of the cities that all come together and create a gathering place with a reason for for people coming together because there's going to be live music or there's going to be some performance or something. So everybody comes and that's where, you know, then you get a hungry crowd. It's kind of a, kind of a no-brainer. Imagine that's yeah. kind of the history of how the mall, the shopping mall kind of happened, right? Because it went from probably markets to the main street, you know, of a city well, to shopping mall. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think the big thing is that you started having the department stores, hmm. which, you know, and the departments were, you know, what had originally started as a separate clothing store, but the the, the clothing was within the department store. And then you, yeah. you know, if you think of Eden's in Canada or Simpson's in Canada, when I first mm-hmm. came to, Canada in the 1970s, you had those were the two. Those were the two outstandingly big and the Hudson Bay and the Bay. Yeah. yeah, Hudson's Bay. Yeah, and are and, any of those um, still around? 
Hudson's Bay is, yeah. The yeah. Simpsons and uh, Simpsons Eden. and Edens are gone. Uh-huh. You know, they're not. They don't exist anymore. Right. Hudson's Bay bought out both of them. You know, bought, oh, bought wow. both of them. Yeah. What used to be called, you know, what used to be called Eden is still called the Eaton Center, but it's controlled by another company. And then mm-hmm. what used to be Simpsons on Queen Street, you know, it's uh, Queen and Young, yeah. is Saks Fifth Avenue. There. Okay. And that's owned by another company. That's owned by another company now. You know? Yeah. I think Saks is owned by Hudson's Bay. I think uh, Hudson's Bay. They own it all, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's not one of my frequent pastimes to follow corporate takeovers. <laughs> <laughs> corporate hierarchy charts. Right. Exactly. I'm, I'm more interested. Yeah. I'm in, more interested in the expansion of Mr. Beast hamburger oh, restaurants. And I, yeah. <laughs> what's he up to now? I mean, he started 300 on his first well, day. Well, the biggest thing, now. so now the thing, I was thinking about Shahid. Is it Shahid? Is, is, is our new friend in Friesland? Yeah, Shahid from Lahore in Pakistan. Yeah. yeah, I'm thinking about Shahid. Mr. Beast started a chocolate bar company and cookies called Feastables, and they're over a hundred million dollars in sales now. On um, <laughs> uh, chocolate bars, he's got stuff in in Walmart, and I'm just you know I thought about when Shahid was talking about their capabilities of making biscuits. That's the kind of thing. It's just like there's a Kylie Jenner moment waiting to happen with something like that, where if he because it sounds like he's got a very big operation like well he's got 400 he's he's got 450 different locations in pakistan right 450 and he's got you know he's got four thousand employees Mm -hmm. you know and yeah but you know but the interesting you know i think that the interesting thing about it is humans want to put things together you know we're the put where they'll want to put things together speak. Yes. That's what I that's yeah. what I immediately see. That and that's vision. That's we're all yeah. visionaries, I guess, right? Like that's Well, where... it's vision that becomes capability and then it becomes reach, you know. Yes, yeah. Yeah. I mean when Mr Beast was a sixteen year old in North Carolina, he was just trying to put the YouTube viewers together with some of the fun things that he liked to do, you know. Right. That's he, yeah. That's how. He, yeah. And uh, here I'm going to show you how we bought out a dollar store one day where we yeah. paid him for everything in the store if it could all be boxed up in yeah. a certain number of hours, and uh, yeah. we would pay him for everything in the in the store. In the store. Yeah. And, yeah, and uh, so he started putting together an audience that would follow him with his latest new, put yeah. something together in a new way, yeah. uh, event, and uh, grew himself. Yeah, you know it's really interesting. I'm writing my new quarterly book, and it's called Capitalism Dash and Everything Else. <laughs> and and what I'm zeroing in on is capitalism is the only system in which everybody can participate based on choice. If you want to, yeah. if you want to participate in capitalism, you yeah. can do it. But you've got to, you've got to commit yourself to being measured in five ways. 
And the first one is you've got to be measured in terms of how you price yourself. In mm-hmm. other words, you have to put a you have to put a price on your value to other people. Okay. Okay. And so value for all of us, you, me, and Mr. Beast is really determined that we have a capability and we, with our capability, we can create something of value for somebody else. And we're going to put a price on that and see if it plays out in the, you know, in the payer's mind, you know, in other words, it's something that you would like to do. And then once you do that, the, your very, your priced value now becomes property. Okay. You now have something that's actually property and that's, you know, in, in the marketplace that you're granted, you know, uh, you have a, uh, you're incorporated, you're incorporated, you have a business Mm -hmm. entity and now that has property. Mm -hmm. And then you, what you want to do is you want to make that property more productive. This is the five P's capitalism. So price property productive productivity, and then you get Mm -hmm. profitability profitability and you become more prosperous and then you use your profitability to add other kinds of property personal and business property and then you rinse and you relather and you wash and uh, and so it's a upwardly expanding 5p measurement system but you have to be willing to be measured by outside standards you have to be measured you know and in other words you have to be accountable to a reality outside of yourself in order to participate in capitalism wow anyway that's my great yeah so the five five the five p's price property productivity profitability and prosper and prosperity prosperity Prosperity. okay prosperity yeah these are the measurements yeah these are the measurements, and it's a totally impersonal system because you can think that you are very valuable, but that's not true unless another one finds it that way and it starts with the pricing of your individual capability. Yeah. Boy, this is that's good. I mean, that's kind of like the I like how it jumps right to price. Is that's really the that is the culmination or the, that's the end result of having a market, you know, creating a market that you've got a good or a service yeah. that somebody's willing to exchange money well, for. Let's, that, let's, that's the Well, let's, let's apply this to Mr. Beast. Um, yeah. Yeah, because he had, at a certain point, he had subscriptions to his YouTube, right? Yes, so he's got now he has a hundred million, hundred million, hundred million, hundred thirty million subscribers, right? Yeah, and what's a subscription? I mean, from your standpoint, what's a subscription? That's somebody who's watched the videos and said they push the button that says essentially the message they're sending is, I like this, let me know when you do another one. That's essentially what a subscription is. So now he's got 130 million people that the moment he puts up another video, they will drop everything and run over to the computer to watch it. You know, that's the, that's what it is. Now that value to others, if you're thinking about it, is the sponsors and YouTube will pay Mr. Beast money for that attention that he's getting. Yeah. So, 
big companies will sponsor his videos because they know that all eyes are going to be on Mr. Beast for the next 10 minutes. Uh, They can, you know, in a favorable way, present their product and YouTube by running ads on those, you know, within those videos is generating advertising revenue that they share with Mr. Beast. So there's the value is in the attention. Yeah. And then if we take it to property. Yeah. So the price, his first price is that you'll give him your attention. Yeah. In other words, and then the number of people who will give him his attention and let it be known that anything, anything new, they will watch it. You know, I mean, that's the price they're giving. They're paying him attention. He's accumulating a capability, which is his alone. So it's his property. Okay. That's right. Okay. And, and YouTube as an entity is looking for exactly people like him because he's a vehicle now that they can sell advertising on his vehicle. Yeah. So that's property. That's the thing is it doesn't, yeah, that's a great thing for, uh, it's a great collaboration really, right? When you're looking at this thing is YouTube has the capability for him to put up his videos and have the capability for millions of people all over the world to stream that. Yeah, and the money for this is actually created by a collaboration between Mr. Beast and YouTube. Yeah. And so both of them are creating a new money, part of which YouTube gets and part of which Mr. Beast gets. Yep, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And then he becomes more productive on it because the first he was creating his own entertainment products uh-huh. and then he got the and then he got the idea of Beastburger, Mr. Beastburger. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And that he could now create something that made restaurants all all over the United States and Canada too because we have Mr. Beastburger restaurants here in Toronto and he said, "Look, we've put together probably well first of all it's my favorite hamburger restaurant menu and if you were to add this to your offering in your physical location in your neighborhood i have 50,000 of my viewers yeah. who, if they knew that they could go to your restaurant and partake in my hamburger menu yeah, I would tell them to do. That. I would tell them yeah. to do it. Yeah. God bless America. God bless <laughs> Mr. Beat. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's now if we could only get Shahid, Shahid to go in on Mr. Beast biscuits, that would be the big. That'd be an amazing thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the inter- I mean, the interesting thing here, he's made YouTube more productive. He's made mm-hmm. thousand. I don't know what's the number now, Mr. B's Burger Place. So there's sixteen hundred, sixteen hundred now. Yeah, yeah, and he's you know, and he's made uh, marketing companies because he's got a lot of marketing skills that's yeah. now supporting him. Packaging skills. 
and uh, you know, and they've established standards that have to be observed. Yeah. And uh, well, you know what is interesting? Who gets sort of underappreciated in this whole success story is the guy who put the whole thing together, Reed Duckshire, is yeah. Mr. Beast's uh, manager. He owns a company called yeah. Night Media. And he's the yeah. guy, he was a former sports agent and realized that these YouTubers are the new celebrity, new, you know, they're the ones that, you know, he was thinking about his nephews and nieces who have no idea who any of the athletes that he was representing are. But all they could talk about was, you know, at the time, Dude Perfect was one of the top things on the internet. They know all these YouTubers who have, you know, big, big reach. And that's, there's a new mm -hmm. TV stars, the new athletes, the new everything for this whole YouTube generation. That's the primary, that's the primary thing. So he, you know, went to Dude Perfect and, you know, did an arrangement with them where he could bring brand deals them like represent mm -hmm. the brand so he had the vision to take this reach and combine it with you know with big corporations who wanted to you know get some of that attention so it, it just and now you know he represents basically all the top any of the youtubers with more than 10 million mm -hmm. subscribers are basically in his in his stable and that's yeah being yeah. a visionary, you know? Yeah, so so then you have profitability because this becomes very profitable for YouTube. It becomes profitable for Night Media. It becomes profitable for Mr. Beast, and it becomes profitable for the restaurants yeah. who do this. Okay, and now we have prosperity. Prosperity, and each of them can use their profitability to prosper in the ways, and you know, and their pricing goes up. And they, as individuals, the, the, yeah. your pricing goes up as you go through the complete five Ps. If you're prosperous at the end, it means that everything, the pricing has increased, the property has increased, the produ productivity has increased, and the profitability has increased. Okay, then then you and then you relather at the beginning, yeah. and then you go through the next round. I would say that Mr. Beast has added a sixth P in philanthropy because that's what drives yeah. all of what, what he's doing. Yeah. But that's, that's, once you do that, then you're off into another realm. And, uh, you know, so I kind of keep it just within the, yeah, right. Uh, exactly. With the, the capitalism. The, yeah. It is kind of like a flywheel. It's kind of like a flywheel that, that you create. And see, my attitude towards that is not doing philanthropy. And one, the reason I don't like philanthropy is I've been to some meetings, philanthropies, and it attracts the murkiest motivations of uh, any rooms I've ever been. And it's a mixture of politics and, you know, and, you know, everything like that. I just Earth say, let's use my yeah. yeah. Let's use my prosperity to create opportunities for entrepreneurs to expand even more in the world. So I'm only interested in I'm only interested in the capitalist flywheel. I like it. 
Is that what you're calling yeah. it? The capitalist flywheel? That's a good word. No, for it. Uh, the yeah. Well, you could call it that. I mean, I'll think about that as I go along. Now, here's the thing. From the outside, it's not really understandable, and I think that's the biggest tension between capitalism, because all you do is see the external. Extern- People who are not in the system only see the externals, and it looks like it's unfair. It looks like it's it can't be honest because it's not understandable. And the people who are doing it, um, what qualifies them to do it? You know, so you know, I mean, you don't learn this by going through 24 years of higher education. You know, at the university. <laughs> And, and everything else. And uh, if you're not in the marketplace as an entrepreneur, you don't even know where to begin this. I love it. I mean, that whole, I, I, when, every time you think about how right the founding fathers got it in terms of mm. self-interest being the only true reliable measure or the reliable resource, you know, to, to rally around or to organize around. That's such a, as you said, a lot of people are wondering, you know, well, you know, there's it's self-appointment too. You could just join it. There's no gatekeepers to it. You know, you yep. don't have to be favored by anybody, but the marketplace. Yeah. It's like, it's like Orville and Wilbur Wright. They did that yeah. without applying. They didn't have a pilot's license. Can you imagine? They just went out and created a plane and flew it, and they didn't even they didn't even go to the government office, the Grants Pilots Office, to get the pilot's license to do that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that was on. And Cyrus McCormick, you know, he didn't even get he didn't even get you know he didn't even get a license to create and start marketing the Reaper. You know, yeah, yeah the Reaper. You know, and, <laughs> you know, and, you know, Edison didn't have an electrician's license. You know, he didn't have, he didn't have any of those licenses. I love it. This is pretty great. It's really a fun, if you think about it, like a path like that merry-go-round or the flywheel or however, you think that all you've got to do to get on it is to create something with a price. Yeah. And then you go back, you do, you do one round of it, and then you go back to the beginning, and now your V is bigger, your C is bigger, and your R is bigger. Mm-hmm. You know? Wow. This could get out of hand. It could, Dan. I don't. I mean, I'm I'm fearful that we're it's going to start getting uh, regulated. <laughs> <laughs> we could be we censored. <laughs> we need an oversight committee here. You're going to get. You're going to get us canceled talking like that. We, yeah, really interested in uh, what Elon Musk is going to do with Twitter now. Well, I think yeah. the one he did, he fired all the executives. I think first of all, yeah, fired, fired. I mean, they got a big, they got a big payout. You know, they, yeah, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, they get to go to the beach. Job two is <laughs> Donald Trump back in tweeting. Well, that's going to be interesting because he's going to have to make a compelling offer to it because they've created the Truth Social, you know, and they're up yeah. to they have about 50 million followers, you know, which oh. Trump brings along with him wherever he goes. So he's already got, you know, he's already got a 
So they're, I mean, they'll probably use it because it's available, you know, and, yeah. and uh, you know, there's probably going to be a new set of rules about what you can do. But the other, uh, there's another Twitter alternative. So Rumble. I know about, well, Rumble is the YouTube alternative for video. Yeah. And, but there's something else, Giver or something, I don't know what, there's another Twitter one that is available now. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, and then, yeah, of course, you, you have TikTok. Uh, we had a really great presentation of TikTok. And uh, so we have a new Free Zone member by the name of Mark Lachance. Do you know Mark? Uh, he's from Montreal. I don't And know. he was in marketing, and then he really got interested in TikTok. And now he's got 300 in his company. And he really understands the algorithms of TikTok. Mm. And uh, one of the outstanding examples of one of free zone and a collaboration, but the use of TikTok, and that is he teamed up with Stephen Poulter, our IVF doctor. Okay. And uh, so this is about, I would say, six months ago. Uh, they were in just a 10 times workshop together because Mark wasn't in free zone at that point. And he just, you know, Stephen's a great doctor, but he's also got a great mind for technology. He, you know, and he got really interested in it. And about that time, Joe Polish sent Stephen some really massive misinformation because TikTok, you know, goes from angelic to evil. You know, I mean, the spectrum of what's on TikTok. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it can be the darkest of the dark side, or it can be the, you know, the, the most sanctifying of the good side on, the, on on that side. And it was just a piece of outrageousness about how conception happens, you know, how a human being is created, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you can just take skin cells and you can turn them into a new baby, you know. It was just mm-hmm. really outrageous. And while Stephen did, just to test it out, he just showed actual camera videos that he takes in his lab of conception actually happening, you know, sperm and egg. And it was, you know, it was very explicit. It was sexually right. explicit. Right, <laughs> and, right, right. Uh, and then he had a very... And then he had a very quick voiceover and, his, you know, he really sounds like the authority. He's got a very authoritative voice. And uh, he said, this is how it happens. And we've been doing this for 25 years. And he says, hundreds, you know, tens of thousands of women who couldn't conceive before conceived. And this is how we do it. So he just watched it. And within an hour, he had 10,000 downloads. Wow. And by the end of the day, by the end of the day, he had 60,000 downloads. Okay. Wow. And so they started working with it. And then he just out puts out these little, very short, you know, 30 seconds, you know, is long, you know, 30 seconds to 45 seconds. And in six months, he's got 60 million followers. Okay. 60 million? 60 million. Fo- well, 60 million downloads. Views. 60 million okay. downloads, yeah. not 60 million followers, but 60 okay, million right. downloads. Yeah, and yeah. the phone at his clinic is running off the hook. People are coming and knocking on the door, and you're the person we want to 
work with. You're the person we want to work with. We completely trust you and everything like that. Wow. So, yeah. So that's another case of, you know, he has a real vision. You know, he has a real vision for his medical, you know, his medical future. But also to get the word out, you know, to get the word out. Because right now he basically has to get through to GPs, you know, doctors. And, you know, to that he has, you know, and it's very slow. You know, it's like dragging a rock uphill to get their attention and everything like that. And now he's bypassed that altogether, you know. And and he's he's not attracting kooks. No, I mean, they're real people on, on TikTok. Yeah, I mean, and I, what yeah. he says, well, isn't it for teenage dance videos and everything else? And they said, nope, it's gone into the 40, you know, to the 20 to 50 audience yeah. now. Yeah. And the 56-year-old Winterhaven resident audience. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I think you, you I, never know what's going to happen with that that kind of person, you know, a fifty-six-year-old. Right, exactly, you never know where it's going from there. That's exciting, though. But that's kind of where you know it's another example. But we're uh, we're thinking about doing it with our next book. Ben Ben Hardy and I, are, you know, our team and Ben's team, yeah. we're thinking about doing it, and we'll start four months before release date, and uh, you know, just picking a number out of the air that we try to get. Yeah. 20, 20 million downloads before release date. Yeah. Okay. And so I have a goal of 200 million sales within the first 100 days when the new book, 10 times is easier than two times is the next book. Yeah. And and that's just doubling from our first two years. So first year we got 50,000 in the first 100 days. The Second book, we got a hundred thousand in the first hundred days, and so I said, "Let's go for two hundred thousand this time." Mm-hmm. Um, freaking my marketing, my marketing team out completely, and mm-hmm. I said, "Well, fifty thousand freaked you out, and a hundred thousand freaked you out. So this is you should be used to being freaked out." Yeah, it's so great, Dan. I mean, that's so that's so good, and they're both still selling routine. Like yeah, real carry- steady. Yeah. Real steady. Yeah. They're like year to date, you know, they'll sell as many this week as this week a year ago. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're spreadable concepts, you know. I think Joe yeah. I think Joe Polish is gonna have a hit on his hands too with what's in it for them. Yeah. But, it's a but, great uh, book. I, yeah, it's, it's a yeah. I told Joe, I said, you know, you've turned suffering into a useful raw material. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I mean, most people look at suffering as something totally worthless, and I said, yeah. you've actually built your you've built your whole unique ability on it, and you've you know you've created a whole new value. Based on the whole concept of suffering. Yeah, I can't. I said to uh, I did a we did a podcast together, a video version in the new studio, and I, I said to him then I can't believe that in the entire history of the world nobody's named a book what's in it for them. Nobody's thought to do. It's really interesting to me because it's just such a. It just shows how few people actually think 
that way, you know, enough that it would come to the surface as the title of a book, you know. And I think the cover is great. You know, I told him right off the bat, I said, I thought the, the, he had a, you know, it wants to be picked up, you know, it's a cover that you want to pick. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's so exciting. Everything's, you know, firing on all cylinders. It's amazing to watch your collaboration with Ben and Tucker and Hay House, like that whole thing just conceived as a collaboration. And now look at it. Pretty, yeah, uh, it's pretty interesting to see. Well, it's really interesting because since we've started, we've had, I've been in no meetings with Hay House. Right. (laughs) You know, and I, you know, it just, but we're, we have accounts that we have. So we have a number of ways of measuring its effect on our sales to Strategic Coach. And as far as we know, 150 read the book and contacted us and signed up as a result of writing, reading one of the two books so far, which is people say, well, that's not very many. And I said, yeah, but the lifetime value of every sign up that we have historically is that when you have a sign up, it represents $40,000 of value in the future. So, so it's 40,000 times 150. I said, I think that's pretty good actually. (laughs) Yeah. Where, where it was their idea to read it. It was their idea to contact us. It was their Mm -hmm. idea to find out more about it. And it was their idea to, to sign up for the program. And, and, and then outside of that, there's been about another 350 who were prospects already. And then would they receive these books? So we send these books out to all people who are already prospects. And mm-hmm. another, roughly about another 350 have come in where they, this was sort of a tipping point in their decision mm-hmm. reading the books was a tipping point. That's mm-hmm. about 500, 500 times mm-hmm. $40,000. So that's not bad. That'll add up after a while. That's not <laughs> bad for me. That's not bad for me. Really, my only input is having continual discussions with Ben about the, you know, the context of the concepts that we're working on. Uh-huh. I like, That's I'm like you. I like talking. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I like it too. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, our, yeah our, our teachers didn't realize that we were talkers, you know. That, right. Uh, <laughs> oh, realized that talking was applying yourself. They didn't realize not having respect for authority is a capability. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yeah. I just had, I've had a, in the last two weeks, I've had a, Imagine if you applied yourself breakthrough. You know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about this idea of, you know, the imagine and if are in the imagine world, you know, imagination world where you can be a shapeshifter and there, you know, you're planning and thinking and seeing things, it's all theoretical side of it. And then the, but applying yourself is, in the real world, in the physical world, and where it's always been a, you know, just a reality in the reality world is that time 
is one of the things that moves at a constant of 60 minutes per hour. And you only get 24 of them in a day, you know, and mm-hmm. that things are going to take a fixed amount of time to do a physical amount of time that they have to get, they have to happen in real time. And there's no, yeah. you know, most of the things that people value as valuable, especially in the physical world, like having a six pack or being healthy is something that requires the, you know, repetitive real time application of doing things to, to shape your body. You know, you look at all the things you're doing at uh, six in the morning, you know, every morning to, to stay you know, young at 78, what was, have you tested what your real age now is? Yeah, the, I'm using Inside Tracker. This is a quarterly, <laughs> so blood draw every quarter. They take it in, they look at 43 markers and they, you know, they have millions of blood tests and, you know, demographics. And so yeah. based on my blood tests, this puts me at someone who's 68 rather than 78. That's so great. Yeah. So right an now. And, yeah. And last Going year, down, I was... Trending down, right? Yeah. Well, no, I, I haven't in the first year, but I've aged one more year chronologically. So I was okay. nine years... Yeah, I was nine years younger last year, and then I added another chronological year, but my biological age didn't go up. So I held steady at 68. Okay. okay. But I'm going to tell you something, and you can look this up because I suspect you have something nearby. It's a new workout place, and it's called OsteoStrong, O-S-T-E-O, capital O-S-T-E-O, capital Strong, S-T-R-O-N-G. Okay. And we saw it at on the longevity trip with Peter Diamandis when we were – uh, saw you know 15 things in San Francisco and we saw 15 things in San Diego all mm-hmm. having to do with regenerative medicine especially with age reversal and and it's almost too good to be true and uh, but we're doing it and I'm in the first 5 days I found a very significant difference that this exercise does so you go in and that's it's got four different looking machines you know and this was in a shopping mall the place we went it was up near highway 400 and highway 7 yeah so i had to check my passport and make sure i had the right check and we took took an extra oxygen supply you know i mean this is a yeah this is a real truck this is a real truck and but we went there, and it's mostly women who are there. And uh, as a matter of fact, I haven't seen a male yet in the place. And it's mostly women, but they have some starting machines like a vibration, you know, a vibration platform you get on, and it vibrates, and you just step up and down for about five minutes. And what that does kind of wake wakes up all the muscles in your body. Okay, so you know. And then they put you on the first machine, and it could be any of the four machines because other people are using them, so they slot you in. And they put you on, and one of it is upward lifting, and one of them is pull-down lifting, like pull-downs, you know, like you're on a pull-down. 
And one of them is like pushing with your feet, pushing with your feet. And the third one would be posture. It would be standing up straight and doing it. And each of them, the intensity lasts for 10 seconds. That's all the exercise there is, 10 seconds. And you have a meter that shows your strengths in doing each of these exercises. And and so I was 100% the first time I did it for all four of them. They have a thing that says 100, you know, that you're above 100. So I'm strong, and I'm really strong. But And then they have things like, I won't go through, but there's an infrared room that you go in and you, you get an infrared light for about 10 minutes. And then they have a lie down massage pad with hot water and they do that. And they have, um, you know, it's another thing that detoxifies any electrical charges you have because this is all electrical equipment. So you get rid of the electrical charge. So. And these are very passive. You don't really have to do anything with any of these. And it's about an hour start to finish by the time you get in and out. And you do it once a week. And so I did it the first time. And about day five, all I sudden I noticed that all the coordination in my body had taken a jump. Like, you know, I'm at the point where walking because I have a bad knee that I have to hold on to the railing, you know, when I go upstairs and when I go downstairs. And about five days in, I could go up and down the stairs quickly with no holding on to the railing. Okay. And uh, and, uh, I noticed that just turning, you know, and, you know, picking something up and everything, I just noticed the coordination of my whole body had just taken a jump. Wow. Yeah. And you, and then I went back the second time. I went back the second time, and I was above. I was stronger than I was the week before, with all. Even though I had only done the one exercise per week, and they recommend you not do it more than once a week. <laughs> wow! And so how? We don't want to see. You. We don't want to see you in here. You know. <laughs> and, wow. And, uh, yeah, so it's called Osteostron, and they have franchises all over, but I suspect they have them in Palm Beach, you know, or in, in, uh, or in the Orlando area. Yeah, just uh, looking it up online, there's one in Winter Springs, which is about an hour and a half. But it looks like there's going to be, uh, yeah, it looks like they're coming, like looks like they've got different locations that are uh, coming soon. So, yeah. Boy, well, you definitely want one in celebration, I'll tell you. Okay. Yeah, and have it near your recording studio so you can go over and you can do it in the set there. Yeah, let's just set one up. Yeah. Yeah, that was the thing. Their website is 60 seconds per week. No pain, yeah. all game. The yeah. ultimate box. Yeah. Sweat free, yeah. pain. Fast, less than ten minutes, will not leave yeah. you feeling fatigued. Will not leave you feeling sore the next day. Once per week. Yeah. Wow, that's something. All, it's all compelling offer, no convincing argument. It's all, all <laughs> cheese, no whiskers. That's right. It's all cheese. All. <laughs> yeah. Which builds good bones. That's funny. 
Yeah, well, here's the here's an interesting thing. They've discovered that your muscles. They've shown that your muscles cannot be any stronger than your bones, ligaments, and cartilage. Your body sure. will not allow your will not allow your muscles to be any stronger. So yeah, if you have, you know, your bone density has gone down and your ligaments are are subpar and your, yeah, your right. cartilage is subpar, your body will not allow your muscles to get stronger or you'll injure yourself with your own muscles. Your muscles could overpower, snap bones, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's really interesting because what the exercise do, I think, is that they... Uh, they really strengthen your ligaments and your cartilage. And I have really high bone density because I did that to your heavy squatting, you know, during yeah. COVID. It was so I'm there's a hundred percent. It's called 1.0 and yeah. I'm at like one, 1. 1.43. So I'm about 43% higher, you know, with, you have a with my bone. That you go through. You have a flexibility element that you go through no i don't and it'll be interesting to do it after i've done this for a while you uh-huh. know i haven't really gone through well you know i have stretching you know i have stretching with bands and things like that yeah. but nothing system nothing systematic that i've ever you know really focus, focused on you know I, right. I mean my main thing is can you know i mean my whole standard is can i continue the output of creativity and, you know, the coaching and the writing and, you know, and the podcasting. So I, you know, it's like people say, you know, I want to walk, I don't want, I want to be able to run a marathon. I said, she's, I have no interest in that. No, uh, that's not your, that's not your mission. I mean, that's what, well, that's like four hours of no talking. Right. Exactly. You can do four podcasts in that amount of time. <laughs> yeah, why would I want to do that, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. That's funny. Well, there we go, Dan. Well, it's like it's like golf. I never understood it, but uh, it's probably, you know, it's probably a round of talking if you got the right partner. Yes, that's right. Exactly. Like you and I would enjoy playing golf together. Yeah, I'd have to take special. I'd have to take special pills to stay out of the gap. Right. <laughs> I think golf. I've not aside from Lee Trevino and Chichi Rodriguez, and there's probably a pattern there. I've never seen any professional golfers look like they were having a good time. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. That looks like a frust. It's a frustrating game for a lot of people. I'm very happy. Well, I'm a happy golfer. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you have better athletic coordination than I do. I think you probably, you know, I think your eye-hand coordination is better than mine, probably. All the uh, misspent youth on the tennis court. That's right. But anyway, I would, and they give you a freebie to go in. I mean, you can do a freebie just to get a feel. And but it's I've never done anything where I noticed the benefit within such a short period of time. That's a testimonial right there. Let's write that down. Dan Sullivan. Yep. Toronto. Black Chicago. Yep. 
But we know the two owner. We know the two owners because we met them at the. We met them at the on the longevity trip. You know. Oh, okay. and, uh, oh well, that's great. Yeah. And 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 I checked them out, and we we had political talks with the. I had political talks with each of them that would have got oh. us immediately canceled. Immediately got us canceled. You know, I don't know where they are. I don't know, but Babs knows them. She's talked to them. You know, yeah. personally. So, and it's franchise. You know, it's a franchise. Yeah, how much footprint so. do they need for the franchise? What I have no idea. I have no idea. Oh, okay. But they're very, they're very eager to have conversations. So, if you're, are you going to Scottsdale? I'm not going to Scottsdale. No. Okay. But I will okay. be. In, I'll be. I think my next time that I will see you is in Palm Beach. I'm definitely right. planning on. There. And, and then by spring, yeah. then to be, I don't think I'll come to Chicago in January. Not that excited. But you'll come that. to, you'll come to Toronto at some point, probably. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. And the new owners of Les Select have not screwed things up. Okay, good. That's a good thing to know. Even the table numbering system? No, they screwed that up, but okay. five is okay. <laughs> Ten is now, ten is now five. Okay, there we go. I love it. Yeah, but I but the experience wasn't half as you know wasn't half as good as a result of going from ten to five, you know. Right. So anyway, no, it was great. It was great. You know, the there were three or four of the previous staff there, and they're very prominent, and you know, and so you know they made you feel very welcome, and you know, so it was cool. Yeah, but yeah, but Jacques is gone. You know, there's something yeah. else in Jacques right now. I yeah. think they moved back to France. I think the two, the husband and wife. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, the kids. I think they were uh, that excited about taking over. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> they had big no. plans. Anyway, we'll be. Yep, I'll talk next week. I'm here next week. Awesome. Me too. Thanks, Dan. Okay. Bye. Bye. Talk to you soon.